guys. How are you? How's it going? Well, listen, when Ryan asked me back, you know, around Christmas time if I wanted to preach today, he said, listen, like, you can either keep going in Acts and walk everybody through Herod and I can't even say it. It's good I'm not preaching on it, right? Herod killing James and imprisoning uh, Peter, or he said you could tackle something else. So welcome to my message called Something Else. <laughs> We're really never going to get through Acts, right? So, so no, not only am I going to tackle something else, but I'm going to tackle something a lot smaller, um, and that'll all become clear here in a minute. But before I get into that, I just kind of wanted to do a status check, like how is everybody's big January energy that you walked into 2023 with treating you? How's it going? Okay. All right. That was pretty enthusiastic. Well, let, let's see if we can poke some holes in this, because um, why not? You know, are you, you still writing in that new planner you bought? Anyone? Okay. Change. Overachieving. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, get you. Let's see. Um, how about that closet you reorganized on January 1st. Does it, does it still look like it belongs on the home edit? No? Eh, I don't know. Uh, that workout app, that new one you paid $80 a month for? How's that going? You still got that streak? A weekly streak? All right. Okay. All right. Dry January, anyone? Oh, gets real quiet. How's that going? All right. Uh, what about your budget? You sticking to that now that Amazon, Santa's on, Prime has flown away? All right, all right. Reading through the Bible in a year, you keeping up with that? It's a lot of words. Uh, is anybody, did anybody roll up in here fueled only by plants because of Ryan's message a few weeks ago? Okay, I did. I did because I live with him and we just eat plants now, and that's great. Um, well, good. What about, what about the word of the year? Last one. Maybe anyone choose the word of the year? Okay, good. Probably better. Probably for the best, right? right? Well, listen, like, I'm poking fun at all of us, but we all do this, right? Like, we walk into January with this big, black, trash bag energy. Like, we are determined to clean up our spaces and our bodies and our finances and just everything. Like, bulk pickup day is coming, and we got to do it all. We got to clean it all up, and we are just super enthusiastic about it. Um, but then, like, the time the Valentine's candy comes out, so like January 3rd, we're already tired. You know, we're already tired because we have like decided we are going to step up to that plate like it is a 3-1 count and we are going to swing at everything all at once. And so by the time it is January 29th, we're like, I'm out. Like, I'm just going to get hit by the pitch and take the walk. <laughs> like, we just, it's not sustainable, right? You know, we know this. Um, and I know this because I did this last year. So, Late, uh, at the end of 2021, I went up to Vegas and I visited one of my uh, old neighbors, one of my really good friends, and she had done a, a big remodel on her house. And so we were touring around and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous of you. This is such a nice kitchen and all these things. And then we go downstairs into her basement and she had redone this wall in her house. And when she turned the lights on, it was like an angel of the Lord appeared to fly a banner over my days. Like the writing was literally on the wall. And I was like, that is my mantra for 2022. Like, I don't need a word. I need a sentence. Okay, I am going to show you the wall. But before I do, you need to not get upset with me that I had to censor this image to make it appropriate for this venue. 
Okay, so just know that, like, and you know, this is the kind of content you come here for when it's my week to preach, right? Like, I'm going to go rogue. So let's just get it out of the way. Nobody get mad at me. Okay, Jesse, throw up the photo. All right, so you're going to put on some whatever your favorite music is, and you're going to handle that stuff. Put on some records and handle that stuff. So that last part at the end, that was my mantra, literally, actually, for 2022. I wrote it every week, the top of my to-do list, <laughs> handle that stuff. Because I just, I knew I needed to. Um, you know, I was coming in hot with some big, big January energy. And now let me be clear. I know that those words didn't actually come from God. But like, I've been known to put words in his mouth before, so I just kind of went with it. I was like, this is a word for me. This is what I need to know. It's so much so that I, uh, you know, I wrote this on my Instagram uh, this time last year. Here's what I said. I said, listen, I am not precious enough to choose a word of the year, but you better believe I'm feisty enough to fly a banner over my days that one of my scrappiest friends had professionally tagged on a wall of her house. Put on some whatever and handle that stuff. It's 2002 or 2022, and high time I assigned some daily urgency to dealing with the junk, responsibility, opportunity, hiding in my inbox, body, marriage, text, finances, work, purse, relationships, faith, calendar, unfinished projects, past, DMs, creative life, voicemail, Monica closet. I have one. Do you know what that is? That's a funny joke if you don't. Sorry. <laughs> Handle that stuff, whether I feel like it or not. Handle that stuff, whether it's fair or not. Handle that stuff, whether it's hard or not. Handle that stuff, whether I asked for it or not. Handle that stuff, whether I think I'll succeed or not. Monumental or mundane, this year I will put on some coffee, audiobooks, and armor of God and handle that stuff. All right, big January energy <laughs> I came into. And you know, truthfully, like that mantra, it did. It served me pretty well. A little inappropriate, but you know what? It helped me get some stuff done I needed to get done. You're welcome for the transformation you saw in your pastor this year. <laughs> so listen, <laughs> um, it was after Christmas this year, though, and I thought, you know, I think I need something a little gentler, a little less bossy for 2023. And I didn't go out looking for it. Like, I just was like, you know what, I got to maybe tamp down <laughs> on all of that and, and just see. And so one morning between Christmas and New Year's, I was doing some reading and um, I came across these five words that I just knew. That's it. Like, that's what I need for 2023. And the words were very simple. It says, it said, do small things on repeat. Do small things every day on repeat and see where it goes, right? And so for the next several days, uh, God just kept bringing these to mind in conversations I was having um, and other things I was reading and some stuff I was experiencing. And so when Ryan asked if there was something I might want to share today, I knew right away, like, I wanted to talk to you guys about smallness. You know, the, the power of it, God's holy infatuation with it, and so that's what we're going to do, because, because for all of God's bigness, he sure accomplishes a lot through the small things. And this year, so can we. All right? So now that we've got the inappropriateness out of the way, let's uh, 
Look at the Bible. <laughs> so you can grab your, your version app. You can open that up. You can grab your Bible. You can just stare at me. That's fine. Whatever you want to do. Whatever is good. Um, so, okay, we have been in the book of Acts, right, which is about like 60-ish AD. And so we're going to travel back in time near the end of the Old Testament to about 520 BC in the book of Zechariah. All right. So when God was like, you got to go back to Zechariah, I was like, okay, first of all, like, what was going on? Like, I don't know. I'm not on the one-year reading plan. I forget what was going on. You might not know what was going on uh, when the book of Zechariah was written. Um, And so here's, here's the context for you. So after spending 70 years in exile, God finally is sending everybody back to Jerusalem, right? So he sends a group of men and women back to rebuild everything that the Babylonians destroyed during that time. And so first step was the temple, right? They needed to rebuild Solomon's temple, and everyone was super pumped about it. They had a lot of energy. They really wanted to get this this project underway, Um, you know, so they secured some funding, and they pulled everybody together, and they laid the foundation. You know, it was a really exciting time, and they were certainly handling some stuff during this period. But once the next step was about ready to begin, they started facing a lot of resistance, all manner of resistance. And uh, what ended up happening was the work just ground to a halt for a season. It just stopped. And it stopped not just for like a week or a year. It stopped for about 16 years. And during that time, as would be expected, like everybody got distracted, right? They got busy building their own homes and doing other things. And so when God called a governor named Zerubbabel to resume the rebuild, people, they weren't really having it. Like they were kind of over it. Um, They were discouraged. They were disorganized. Uh, The economy was in the tank. Like eggs were like 4,000 shekels a container, you know, the, the Tesla guy was driving Twitter into the ground. Everybody had their own, like, opinions. Nobody was unified. Everybody was just, like, white-knuckling what they wanted, being pretty selfish. And, and there stood Zerubbabel with this massive job in front of him and only a small plumb line in his hand, okay? Now, the way I understand it, like a plumb line, I don't know if there's any builders in the room, but this is like a device that measures straightness up and down, like a level measures things left and right. Wait a second. Time out. Okay. This just occurred to me. So maybe if Ryan had had a plumb line to measure my mirror, it would have been hung straight. Okay. Okay. If you know, you know. Oh, that's too good. Wow, that's too good. Okay. If you don't know what we're talking about, go back a few weeks. Ryan hung a mirror really straight, but the level said it was straight. It was not straight. Okay, plumb line, that is the answer here this morning. Okay, so he would have needed, his rubble would have needed this plumb line to keep the walls, make sure that they lined up correctly so that they would stand the test of time, that they would actually stay up. And so if he hadn't started his work with this measuring, like it wasn't going to turn out well. So this was a very important, though it was small, tool that he needed to do the work that God had called him to do. So by the time a prophet, the prophet Zechariah arrives on the scene, Zerubbabel, he is like overwhelmed. He's insecure. He's super bummed out. Nobody wants to help him. He's just standing here with this little tool. You know, his, that big January energy is is long gone. Um, You know, 
where once everybody was captivated by these big dreams and exciting plans of what God was going to do to restore the temple to its former glory, you know, he's now ready to throw in the towel in the face of, you know, too many obstacles and too much elbow grease and not enough resources. And, and also a bunch of elders who were around back in the day to see Solomon's temple, and they're walking around whining, it's never going to be as good as Solomon's. Like, come on, he didn't need that kind of energy, but it was starting uh, to get to him. And he was just kind of wondering, you know, why bother? And so God knew him and knew he would be in this place of discouragement. And so he sends Zechariah in to give him a pep talk, to give him some encouragement, to share with him eight visions of what he was going to do with, with rebuilding, you know, God's house there um, in Jerusalem. And so they're just standing there, right? Like Zechariah shows up and he rolls up on, you know, there's a rubble bowl and they're kind of standing there. Like I kind of imagine, again, I'm doing references you might not know, but if you watch Parks and Recreation, like Leslie Nope and Ann Perkins stood at the edge of this pit and they were like, is a pit. We want to make it a park, but like Andy's down there living down there and people are growing marijuana over here and there's weeds. And it's like, we can't build this park that we want to build. Same thing with, with this, these double Z. They're standing there just like, it's a mound of weeds. Like, ah, uh, this is so frustrating. And I can just hear Zechariah or Zerubbabel saying like, look, like I know God said, go rebuild it. I know that's what he said, but it's impossible. Like we're not getting anywhere. We're tired. We tried. It hasn't worked out. I don't know where I'm going to get the people to help me. I don't know where we're going to get the money to do it. All these people are whining that it's not going to be good anyway. Like I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I just have this tool. I'm just, duh, I don't want to do it. And I can hear Zechariah just going, shh, just quiet. Just, just stop talking, right? Before saying to Zerubbabel in chapter four, these words that God gave him to tell him. He says this, he says, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies, nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it. May God bless it. What he's saying here is, listen, man, calm down. The temple is not going to be rebuilt by your strength. It's not going to be built by the strength of your leadership or your hands or your intellect, right? Anymore then the things that we want to see rebuilt and grown in our lives this year are going to be built and come to life because of our efforts, right? No matter what we're doing, we can swing and we can strive and we can do all of these things, but at the end of the day, it's God's power and God's strength. He's going to pour his spirit out to make this happen. You know, so whatever change you're hoping to experience or growth you're expecting to see this year, it's not going to come by your strength. It's not going to become by you like tightening your grip on your bootstraps and making it happen. Transformation is going to become, it's going to come through his spirit, with his help, through his power. It's going to come through God's hand guiding you as you begin the small 
small work of measuring, stacking bricks, of doing little things on repeat. And so whatever mountain today that you're trying to move with your outsized resolutions and your unsustainable January energy, God's going to flatten that mountain. God's going to pour his spirit out to do that, not you. And when he does, no matter how long it takes, as you endure in faith and eventually you see that thing happen, you're going to look back and be like, I didn't do that. God did that. Let's see a little bit more of what Zechariah continues uh, to tell uh, Zerubbabel in his little pep talk. Looking at verse 8, he says, Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the only one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. You know, God's message here to him is like, remember, I called you to this work and I'm going to help you finish it. I am. I know you feel small and I know this work seems insignificant, but the things you're going to do and the things you're going to make, they are not small and they are not insignificant at all. Not when they are placed into my hands. And I am so excited, God says, to see you get started because I know how this story ends. You cannot even begin to imagine it. That plumb line you've got there, that's enough. That's all you need. Just use it and then watch what I'm going to do. Look at verse 10 again. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hands. So while the, the elders of Israel are just despising these days of small, seemingly insignificant beginnings, the God of Israel was not. You know, God had plans for his people, but the work and the obedience to see those plans come to fruition, it was going to start really small, and it was going to stay small for quite a while. You know, eventually, yes, Zechariah's prophecy that this would finish, it would, it would, it would come true, and it would come to fulfillment, and Zerubbabel putting that, that capstone on the temple, but it would be over 400 years before the true temple arrived in the person of Jesus Christ. 400 years. And I think that the encouragement for us today is that this same God, this God who is patient enough to endure centuries of small days as he works through small people and small things and small moments to accomplish his big plans, that's the, that's the same God we serve. That's the same God we follow. That's the same God we were just singing about. And it's just, it's such a relief because, you know, whatever you're trying to grow or build this year, whether it's a business or a relationship or biceps or a nest egg or a ministry or just a deeper relationship with him, you know, God rejoices to see the work begin small with whatever's in your hands, right? For Zerubbabel, it was a plumb line. For Moses, it was a staff. For David, he just had a stone and a slingshot. Um, who else? Esther. Esther had a request. A little boy, you know what a little boy had? He had five loaves, two fish, 
The widow, she had two coins. What's in your hands? I think that's really the question we should be asking ourselves at the beginning of each year. Like, what's in our hands? What's, what do we have in our daily schedule? What do we have in our immediate sphere of influence? God can and will use whatever you are willing to give to him because doing big things through small things, it's like his calling card. It's what he does. It's who he is. You know, his kingdom, which will one day cover the entire earth, it didn't begin big. You know, it grew out of a barren woman and an old man, right? Back in Isaiah. It grows from the fewest of all peoples, it tells us in Deuteronomy. It grows from a mustard seed and a bit of leaven. It grows from an embryo in the womb of a teenage girl. It grows from 12 uneducated guys in the book of Acts. And guess what? It grows from a little strip mall on the corner of 32nd and Thunderbird, right? It does. And wherever your address is, that is where it continues to grow from. It is, it is no different, you guys. It is no different. And so, you know, I know you have big hopes for this year. I have big hopes for this year. There are mountains and, and maybe a few abdominals that you want to see flattened. That's great. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> There are big projects that you want to see finished. I know some of you have some really daunting, serious, scary things that need to be healed in your body, in your relationships. And there's even, you know, a bunch of decisions, right? Big decisions that you need to make about your, your education, about your future, about your job, about just fill in the blank. You have big decisions to make. Um, big decisions about your faith and your finances um, but transformation, it's not going to come through a bunch of big swings and New Year's intentions. It's going, to, it's going to come through getting up every day and doing small things on repeat, trusting that somehow, some way, God's Spirit is going to handle that stuff. And not just handle it, okay, but use it to further his kingdom. So listen, like you can pray for the big today all the while doing the small, devoting yourself daily to the small, to the, those unforced rhythms of his grace. You know, you can want to and aspire to join a gym and go five days a week and become swolnormous, like just be that guy, right? Or that gal or whatever, but maybe, just maybe, you should try to like figure out how you can fit 20 minutes into the schedule that you have right now to work out a little bit at home and just see how that goes first <laughs> before committing, you know, to the, to the big thing. Um, you know, go, go ahead and imagine yourself living in that house that you want to buy someday or that city you want to move to while you are taking a little bit of every paycheck and putting it into your savings. Like that's where it starts. You know, kids, dream about leaving your parents' house someday. Please, God, dream about that, right? <laughs> dream about it. Well, at the same time, show up to school tomorrow and turn in your assignments. And then do it again the next day and the next week. It starts so small. You know, you can hope for a day when the poor and the oppressed and the marginalized are no longer poor, oppressed, and marginalized. 
while you figure out a small, consistent way that you are actually going to get into proximity with people who are poor, oppressed, and marginalized. Because if you are not in proximity with those people, how is that dream going to come to reality? It's not, right? So you can volunteer somewhere. You can do little things. You can just have people over who are completely different from you, right? You can do small things. You want to get healthier? Like, don't try to do it all at once. Hands to the heavens. Ryan got healthier because he started going to bed every night a couple hours earlier. Literally, that's where it started. That's where it can start from you. Don't try to bite off more than you can chew. You know, by all means, pray that it will be on earth as it is in heaven. And then request that adoption information packet. You know, fill out that volunteer form. Ask the homeless person to tell you their name. Do those small things, you know? And it's just a real personal one, right? You can even pray that your kids will one day grow and use their gifts to serve the church while deciding every day after dinner when one of them's throwing a tantrum, go ahead, Jesse, we'll show the tantrum, Well, one of them's crying. You know that endless time between dinner and bedtime? It's like dog years of time that passes. And you can decide, you know what? One day I want my kids to to serve people with the gifts and their interest in music. But it's going to start by taking out my guitar every night after dinner and just playing with my kids. That's where it's going to start. And you know what? You just, you don't know where it's going to lead to. You really don't when you give it to God, you know? And Evan wanted me to redeem this photo of him, so here's another one that's cute. (laughs) Right? You just, you, you never know where it's going to lead. Right? So do the small things on repeat because they matter. They matter so much. They'll add up. Stay patient. Stay faithful. Stay expectant because for all of his bigness, God has a remarkable love for the small. He rejoices to see the work begin because he knows what it's building toward and where it's leading to. And when we look back and we see that we had very little to do with any of it, we are not going to be able to stop ourselves from telling the stories about what he did. And those kinds of stories that put him as the one who did the work, those are the kinds of stories that change us, that change our families, that change our churches, that change our community, and that change the world. And so as we wrap up, I want to tell you a story about something really small that that Ryan and I had to do kind of out of necessity. Um, It started really small, and God did something amazing with it. Um, so, you know, I've said before, like, one of my favorite stories of all time to tell is of how and why we decided to adopt our daughter, Sayla, from Ethiopia. And I have told this story hundreds of times, and I'm happy to tell it to you. you got to have devote at least 20 minutes, though, because it's a long story. Um, but every time I tell this story, I get choked up in the same spot. Not the time we actually met her. Like, none of that. No, it's, the, I, it's the, where I tell about the baby bottles. So, okay, this was 2007. Put your mind back there. Hopefully you were all alive then. Um, and this was before GoFundMe, right? And adoptions were not cheap. 
And we had to get super creative. We couldn't just say, here, go to my GoFundMe and please help us adopt this baby. No, we had to do some crazy stuff. And so one of the craziest things we did seemed ridiculous and silly, but we decided, hey, we know a lot of kids around the country. We are going to send them baby bottles. Why might you ask? Well, we went to the dollar store and we got some baby bottles and we sent them to about oh, 15 kids who we knew. And we said, listen, what we want you to do is over the next six to eight months, we want you to go and find all the spare change you can and we want you to fill this baby bottle. And when you do, once you fill this up, you're going to go take a picture so we can see it. And then you're going to go to the bank and you're going to dump it in the cool machine that counts all the coins. And then that's going to give you the total and your parents are going to send us a check. And then we are going to use all the money from the baby bottles to buy Sayla's plane ticket. And so these little kids, I mean, they were looking under couch cushions and they were, I think, probably stealing from their parents' wallets because they wanted to finish this baby bottle because we had this tracker on my blog. It was like, you know, that temperature tracker that shows, you know, okay, we're almost there. We've almost reached the thing. Um, so Jesse, you can show a couple of these kids. This is Matthew um, and his bird, Sweetie. So he did that. He's now graduated from college. And then Cadence, you know, little tiny little three-year-old Cadence, she was the same age Landon was when we were going through all of this. Um, yeah, so they, they did this. There were more. I didn't have time to find all the photos. They were adorable. Um, but what, why that cho chokes me up, and I am so proud of myself for not crying about that today, but uh, God showed us, like, listen, <laughs> it, it only takes a little bit. Like, I love using small kids and little bottles and spare change to declare unequivocally that no one and nothing is too small to add up to a whole lot in his kingdom. And so as we head into February, a month, ironically, that is probably going to be a pretty big one around here, um, you know, I want us to just collectively devote ourselves to the small. You know, at this very moment, this is like super weird for me, but literally, like standing on the stage across the street is Ryan addressing a group of people whose church is closing. And the message that he is bringing to them is that God is not finished with you. That is what he is telling the shelter. God is not finished with you. And you know, I find it no coincidence that I am here with a message that God gave me before we even knew about any of this. That for as excited as we are about everything coming at us in this month as a church, the initial work of making the shelter community feel at home here is going to look and feel and be absolutely small. It is going to look like parking in a different parking place. It's going to look like sitting in a different seat. It's going to look like serving somewhere that feels maybe insignificant. You know, it's going to look like adjusting maybe to having some new people in your group and, and dealing with the awkwardness of that. You know, it's going to look like resisting the urge to despise the day of small beginnings. And instead, offer what we have in our hands to God. It's going to look like not fearing small things, but instead leaning into them over and over again until the mountain flattens out before us and all we can see as far as the eye can see is his glory.
And so with that view in mind, I want to close this today, as I often do, um, by reading something over you. A little pep talk, if you will, like Zechariah. Um, so I told you that, you know, this do small things on repeat came to me when I was reading. And um, my, I read kind of a nonfiction book every morning, just a chapter. And Let There Be Art by Rachel Marie Kang was my December read. And um, there was a chapter in there, chapter 15, and it was called Let There Be Smallness. And the opening quote was from a woman named Hannah Brencher, and it said, do small things on repeat. And the whole chapter was about smallness and about just its goodness and, and, and God's love for it and what can happen when we, we do small things on repeat. So I'm just going to read a little bit for you and I'm going to go right into prayer. So you can close your eyes if you want. You can listen, um, whatever you want. Um, just really take these words in. And um, I just I hope that they are truly a banner over you. Um, and bring you the the hope and encouragement you need as we um, leave January and, and head into February. There's a holding on to you right there beneath the layers in your heart. You've kept it covered, kept it warm. You've kindled the flames and stoked the fires. You've told yourself that it is not fear at all. You've strained and stressed to dismiss it in every which way. Still, the fear is there, and the fear is real. It's the fear of smallness, of you being too small to be significant. But the impact of small things, they're not small at all. It is the proverbial mustard seed giving way to tall trees. It is the five loaves feeding 5,000. It's the widow's might and the greatness of her gift. It's the babe in Bethlehem, God confounding the big with the small. It is you and all that smallness you have to offer, every act and every bit of art. Indeed, you feel small. Indeed, you may be small. Indeed, your days are filled with ordinary smallness. Small people running wild and rambunctious in your midst. The seemingly small job with the small tasks and the small pay. The small house with the small rooms, the small audience, the small office. You are a vapor and you are a breath, yes. You are small, but you are not insignificant. And neither are the things you do and make. Let's pray. God, thank you for being so much bigger than us and yet loving the smallness in us, using the smallness to work through us. Lord, we are each facing individually a lot before us this year. Collectively as a church, we're facing a lot of big and new and scary and challenging, and you just ask us in all of that to start and that you will be the one who is faithful to complete what you have begun. You will pour your spirit out. You will flatten mountains because the battle does belong to you. It never belonged to us. And yet we are humbled to get to play a part in bringing your beauty and your blessing to this world. And so Lord, may we not despise the day of small beginnings. 
may we do and engage in those daily habits and practices that are going to get us somewhere because you're leading us there. You're taking our hand. You are building something in and through us. And all we have to do is place those things in your hands and say, okay, God, this is what I've got. Now show me what you've got. And we long to see what you've got, Lord, for us, for this community, for the shelter, for our families. So thank you for being so big. And as we sing this next song, Lord, I pray that we will just be reminded of our true size. Yes, we are so small as we come to the altar. We are small in your presence. But because we are in your presence and because we are fueled by you, big things are going to happen. Lives are going to change. And Jesus is going to continue to be alive. And it is a privilege and an honor to be a part of what he's doing. Pray these things in his name. Amen.